it's time to blow the trumpet in Zion. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel with Pastor Ray Greenlee.
Almighty God, King of all the earth, Savior, there's one gift we ask of you. That is the gift of conviction. We ask, Lord, that the blinders could be removed so that we could see reality for what it is, that the illusions 
could be removed, the, the smoke and the mirrors could be broken, that, Lord, we could see in truth our condition before you. That we could see you, Jesus. Lord, would you bring to us that gift today of conviction? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Banished. Banished. Exiled. Torn from home. Forbidden to ever return. Cast out. Take only what's on your back. Leave with nothing. Destitute. Alone. Banished. Cut off. Separated. Broken. That's who we are. That's what happened. Eve walking with Adam through the beautiful garden, their home. A place where God came in the cool of each day and talked with them. A place where their food was provided for them. A place of rest was provided, safety. The visible presence of God. Everything their hearts desired, it was there for them. And then Eve encountered the serpent or the dragon. And the dragon began to speak words that were lies into her heart. And she made a decision that she no longer would trust God. She would only trust herself. And she would go for what she wanted in her life. Life was going to be according to her will. And Satan, the dragon, said to her, if you choose this, you'll be happy. And you'll never die. You'll be secure. He is a liar and he is the father of lies. She took the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and she ate it. And then she gave her husband some, and now he has to make a decision. Does he love his helpmate more than he loves his creator? And he decided he would rather have whatever was going to come, whatever was going to happen, Nothing could happen that would be worse than losing his helpmate. 
The helpmate was created out of his own body. And so he sided with Eve, not trusting that God would find a way to save Eve. He chose also not to trust God, but to side with the devil. And immediately as they ate the fruit, they saw that they were naked, they were ashamed. Everything was out in the open and exposed. Quickly they went and tried to pull leaves off trees, cover their nakedness. And then God came and they heard God coming. I wonder what it sounds like to hear God coming. How my heart hungers to hear God coming. God began to call Adam. Adam, your mom or dad ever call you? And you had done something wrong? And you were hiding because you were afraid? They were hiding in the bushes. Finally, Adam responded, and they come creeping out of the bushes. And what a transformation. No longer the light of God surrounding them. Now darkness surrounds them. Now everything is trying to be covered with darkness. Because only darkness can cover the shame of their hearts. God said, how did you know you were naked? Did you eat from the tree? Well, the serpent made me do it. My wife made me do it. Where's this brave man who's now going to side with his precious wife? And bottom line, he's saying it's her fault, God. Brave man, wasn't he? Unwilling to step forward and say, it was me, God. I let the serpent convince my wife. And I should have been telling my wife who you are. I should have been saying it was me. But you see, the very nature of sin, the very nature of darkness says, cover everything up. Pretend everything is all right. Have you ever been in a family situation where somebody speaks out of turn, some crude remark, and there's suddenly silence? And then somebody chirps up with this cheery little thing, and everybody's smiling again as though nothing happened. How many times I've seen a family have a fight, nasty swords, spears, arrows and it's over and everything's sweet again I grew up in a family where we didn't talk about anything you just always acted like everything was okay that's the family of 
Adam and Eve. It's always somebody else's fault, God. God's looking for somebody who will finally come face to face with him and say, God, me. Not my husband, it's not my wife, not my kids, it's not my boss. Me. I'm the one who has sinned against you. And I don't have any excuse. Me. Remember that old song? It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Conviction of heart will never come until I'm finally willing to face the reality that I am responsible for my life. And I am often responsible for the failed life of many others. And until I'm willing to come before God and face the fact that I have no excuses, that it's me, the Holy Spirit will be unable to work in your heart. As long as you push it off on mom or dad, Abraham Lincoln said by the time a man is 40 years old, he's responsible for his own face. When I turned 40, I finally looked in the mirror and I said, okay, God, he was right. It's me. I made those choices. I did it. It was at that point that God began to call me. Up to that point, my heart had been empty and cold, and God wasn't present in my life. My ministry was a formality. It was entertainment. It was intellectual. It was positive thinking. It was, it was not unguilty, God. By the grace of God today, I know who's responsible. I am. Wasn't mom or dad. Wasn't my brothers. Me. And one day soon, I'm going to stand before the judgment bar of God. And I'm going to have to look the almighty God in the face. And I'm going to be accountable before him for what I have done and what I have not done. That's getting ahead of the story. Adam and Eve are banished. They are cast out. The earth is cursed. The soil is cursed. The earth is cursed. And they're banished from their own home. Wonder if that first night, if they slept at all. Wonder if they didn't just hold each other and weep.
the Lord had made coverings of animal skins for them. Probably some of the very animals that Adam had named. Probably pets. Now, how do they eat? How do they provide? They come together in holy union. She's pregnant. And I'm sure Adam was like every good daddy, putting his hand on the bump feeling the movement of this child within his wife, marveling. I'm sure he had seen the animals giving birth. I wonder if he knew how to help his wife give birth. Cain was born. His name means I brought forth a man. Oh, what a miracle of God that he would give to the human race the ability to create life. Then they have another son. Abel. The scriptures don't tell us, but I'm sure they were also having daughters. But already there was a curse on the woman because of her leading them into sin. She had been made by God to be now a slave of the husband. And I just take a real quick side note. I'm so grateful today that women are no longer slaves to their husbands. I'm so grateful that at the cross of Jesus Christ, all of the curses of Eden were broken over the sons and daughters of Adam who would serve Jesus. In time, Cain and Abel bring gifts to the altar, to the altar of burnt offering. Now, the scriptures don't tell us a lot about what was happening, but we do know that the devil was still very present. The the dragon was still very present. Visible, probably. The angel was still visible guarding the Garden of Eden. They could go any time they wished and see that angel and even speak with that angel. They could look from a distance at the home they'd lost, but they were not allowed to enter lest they eat from the tree of life and live forever in their sin. 
we're given a little bit of a clue in the book of 1 John and the third chapter where it says that Cain was evil. That he was with the evil one. So somewhere as time passed, Cain went to the devil and began to talk with him. And he made the same arguments to Cain that he had made to his mama. God is unfair. God is unjust. You can't trust him. I've been mistreated. I too was cast out of my home. You're not like God, you're like me. We've all been cast out. And as cast outs, we have to begin to take care of ourselves. We have to look out for number one. I'm sure all of this was happening in the dialogue behind the scenes because that's what evil means. A bitter spirit feeling put upon. Nothing's fair. They bring their offerings. I want you to see an offering of light versus an offering of darkness. The offering of light is the blood. The slain lamb. Abel brings a lamb, and by so doing, he says, look, there isn't anything that I can do that will rescue me from banishment. God, only you can bring me home again. Only you can bring me out of this exile in Egypt. That's what happened later. All of God's people in Egypt were exiled. They were not in Cana land. They were exiled. They wandered 40 years in the desert, dying in the desert, unable to enter into Cana land because they were an exiled people. The scripture is full of exile and banishment. The darkest of night, when you weep before God, because you feel so alone, that is not just sentiment, it is true. We are left in exile, banishment, because of our sin. Abel brings a lamb and says, only you, Jesus, can rescue me from banishment. Cain, on the other hand, brings an offering that says, I'll bring to you, God, what I want to bring to you when I want to bring it to you. 
I'll go to church when I want to go to church. I'll read the Bible when I want to read it. I'll do whatever I want to do. A dear person said to me this week, I'm just becoming aware. My money is not my own. I've been spending my money the way I want to spend it. This is Cain's whole deal. I'll do what I want to do. And then passions are inflamed in our hearts. And quickly we give way to the passion. And we'll do as we want to do. Whether it's to be bitterness and anger because we've been mistreated or whether it's passion because we lust after something. Whatever it is, I'll do what I want to do. That's what Cain is saying. He brought to God the best he could bring to him because it pleased Cain to bring it. And when God didn't receive Cain's offering, he said, nobody appreciates me. You know, I've done all this work. I've tried to do my best. And I bring my very best, and it's not appreciated. Some of you feel that right now. You don't feel appreciated by your boss. You don't feel appreciated by your wife or your husband. You don't feel appreciated by your kids. You think they're always taking advantage of you. You don't feel appreciated by anybody. And you're mad about it. Look at all you've done. Look at all you've sacrificed. That's Cain. Never appreciated. Because he's in control of his life. He's in charge. God's not. Over here on the other side, Abel. He doesn't need to feel appreciated. You know why? Because he is appreciated. He's appreciated by God because he said to God, I recognize only you can heal my heart. Only you can save my soul. Only you can bring me home. Only you can make a place of safety for me. These two wildly separate positions. God has a conversation with Cain. Why is your face so downcast, Cain? What are you mad about, Cain? He says, sin is crouching at the door. And you must overcome it. Well, what was the sin that was crouching at the door? It was that rigid inner determination. I'll do it the way I want to do it. And you better like the way I do it. Or I'll kill you. I'm in charge here. I'll do it my way. 
God, you better understand who's boss. You don't control me. Oh, he was totally, totally inhabited by the power of darkness. When a couple comes to see me for marriage counseling, before I'm willing to sit down and talk with them, I have a qualifying question. And that question is, are you willing to do whatever Jesus tells you to do? If you're not willing to submit to whatever Jesus tells you to do, I can't help you. Now, usually there's some bucking on that. Sometimes one, sometimes both. And sometimes I've just told a couple, well, that's all I can do for you. Bye. And I get up and I kick them out of the office. Sometimes they say yes. Well, I know as soon as they say yes, the real work now begins because usually when a couple comes in for marriage counseling, it's because one or both have become like bowling balls. And they're there to knock the pins out from under the other one. And to get me to see how utterly good they are and how utterly wicked their partner is. How hopeless that other partner is. And I know that there will be no hope for them unless both sides can begin to soften that hardness. So that they don't smack into each other and hurt each other anymore. And it's always a gift of grace when that begins to happen in a family. When the husband begins to let go of his bitterness and his anger when the wife begins to let go of her accusations and and her angry words, where they both begin to soften their hearts one toward the other so that there's gentleness between them. It's not until that happens that you can really begin to talk about what the real issues are. Well, God was trying to get these two brothers back together. But he knew that Cain's heart was like a bowling ball. And the only chance was to speak reality into his heart and say, look. Sin is crouching right outside your door. Wants you. First John 3 tells us that he was already an evil man. But God did try to reach out. Cain responds by leaving the presence of God, or so he thought, and inviting his brother to go out in the field with him. That is on Cain's territory. And the scriptures tell us that Cain rose up and killed Abel. Now, I suspect this first murder in human history occurred because Abel spoke righteousness and light. Abel spoke righteousness and light. Cain spoke darkness and death. 
we have to come to terms with this banishment that we've experienced. Like the children of Israel banished to Babylon, many of them settled down in Babylon, and 70 years later, when the call came to go back to the Holy Land, they said, we can't do it. We're so settled now in Babylon. We've learned the customs and the culture. We have real estate. We have money. We've married wives here. We can't go back and rebuild Jerusalem. And when the call came to leave Babylon, they stayed. They would not come home. Now a call is going to soon come for us to come home. To come out of Babylon. To come out of Egypt. To come out of the world where darkness reigns. When that call comes, what will you choose? That call is already being heard in our hearts because Jesus came and died on Calvary and said, now the kingdom of God is among you. But what I hope you're hearing today are very clean lines. The devil likes to mix everything together. He likes to smooth over everything with his lies. I hope you're hearing very clean lines. The call of God comes in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now you have to make a decision. This is the first call to come out of Babylon. When you come out of Babylon, the scriptures call it being born again. And then those who are born again live in this exile place as aliens and strangers. Not taking part in the culture, not taking part in the darkness, separated from the darkness. And what God is looking for, why, I mean, come on, why didn't Jesus 2,000 years ago, when he rose from that grave, why didn't he say, the devil is defeated, now come on home, my people? Why has it gone on for 2,000 years? Because this is being played out for the universe to watch. And what everyone wanted to know after Jesus returned to heaven was whether or not a people like Jesus would emerge on the earth. A people who would walk as exiles, who would walk as a banished people, but who would not participate in the darkness of the devil who would walk as the light in the darkness. All the worlds wanted to know. See, the accusation was that God was unfair and that no one could walk righteous before him. 
The accusation was that all people would rebel and turn against the Most High if he would release them from their captivity. That God was holding his people in captivity. So he let them go. And he created Adam and Eve and this earth as the testing grounds for the universe to watch. After Jesus died on Calvary and ascended into the heavens, now the question was, would there be a people who would come out of bitterness and anger, who would come out of the insanity of the devil, who would come out from the lies, who would come and walk pure and clean before God by the blood of Jesus? Would there be a remnant of people that would come into the kingdom of God even though they still lived in the banishment of the earth? Now you get to choose. Are you going to walk in the darkness of Satan? Are you going to walk in the light of God? Are you going to offer the offering of Abel? Or are you going to offer the offering of Cain? Is it going to be your way at your convenience? Is your life going to belong to yourself? Are you going to allow the children or the wife or the husband to be more important than Jesus in your life? I can tell you one of the reasons that I have been able to successfully move through this time of great grief in my heart as Jan has died is simply that we always said to one another, Jesus stands between us. He has first rights on our lives. So how can I say to Jesus, after I have said my wife belongs to you, how can I say to him, you can't take her? She belonged to him first, to me second. You know what? Jesus stands between you and me. You belong first to Jesus. No friendship, no ties of the earth have the authority or the power to separate us from the love of God. When we enter into that covenant of Abel, And our confidence is in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we renounce the offering of Cain. And we refuse to walk in league with the devil. We come out and we are separated. And we are born again. We now are part of the kingdom of God. And he's building a people who are a testimony before the worlds. You understand this is not just about you or me. 
This whole deal is about Jesus. Now, my heart longs for the banishment to end. My heart longs to be at home with Jesus. I don't like this world. I don't, I hate the darkness. For Christmas, a dear friend gave me a gift like no gift I've ever received. Gave me a flashlight with a hundred lumina. And you know where I keep it? Right beside my bed. And sometimes before I go to sleep, I play with it. I shine it. Because it is such a white, brilliant, piercing light. You know what? Every time I turn it on, the darkness flees. The darkness cannot withstand it. And I laugh at the darkness. Now I want to tell you, the flashlight of Jesus Christ's love and mercy can be turned on in your heart and all darkness will be banished from your soul. The darkness cannot withstand the glory of Jesus Christ. And if you will turn from your sin, if you will turn from your league with the devil, and every area of darkness is cast down, and you turn upon it, that offering of Abel, that precious Lamb of God, the blood of Jesus Christ, you are set free. Want the banishment to end. But until the banishment ends, and the sky is split open with Jesus returning. I'm going to give all of my heart and life and soul to winning as many as possible for the kingdom of light. I'm going to, in every way possible, turn on the light of the glory of Jesus on this earth by what I say and what I do. I want be home with Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Write to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195, or visit us online at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you. He Oh, blessed thought, oh, words with heavenly comfort fraught. What ere I do, where 
still taste thy hate.